It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Manchester Football Social, Forever Blue, with Ian Cheeseman. Well, City go into their next international break, top of the table, and I don't think anybody could complain, certainly when Kevin De Bruyne got that injury and he's pretty well missed the whole of the start of the season. Um, if, if somebody had said at that point, having played Arsenal away, Liverpool away, and without Kevin De Bruyne, you'd be top of the table going into the second international break, you'd have took that, and Sean Golter, who sat next to me, the City legend, you'd have took that, wouldn't you, Sean? Yes, without doubt, without shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah, De Bruyne was a main part of you know, the success we had last season. And and uh, I did, you know, secretly sort of think to myself, you know, will we be able to cope without him? Uh, and then it was a part of me that thought, well, the way Pep Guardiola manages, yes, we should be able to and, and ensure that we have been able to. So uh, I always felt that with the length of time he's out, it'll be like a new signing coming back. So we just hope he hits the ground running and it'll be like a new signing. Did, uh, you, ever believe he, did you ever believe he was going to play at Anfield when Pep said, oh, he's trained with the team on the Friday beforehand? Or was that always a bit psychology, do you think? No, I, ne- I never I never believed it. I never, I, I, I thought it would be a risk if he was going to play him because, again, you know, yes, it was a huge game, but at the same time, I felt if someone's just coming back, such a huge game, um, I think, too much at stake for him coming back. I think it's, it's plenty of games where he can be eased into it. And when I say eased into it, play 70 minutes and, and re-dominate the ball, re-dominate the game, and he can find his way into that sort of game as opposed to, uh, you know, playing against Liverpool where it, every ball, I know the game didn't pan out that way, but loose balls, you're thinking, we, we want to be winning this if there was those sort of challenges. And we didn't want to be thinking, oh, he's going into a challenge what, you know, how is he? Is he okay? Is he? So I, I, I never thought that he, he would be playing that game. So it never even answered my mind. City obviously haven't done well at Liverpool over the years. I've only ever seen, despite going there 40 or 50 times, I've only ever seen City win twice and not for a long time. Um, however, um, so, so you can understand why there would have been some anxiety from City fans. However, there was a little bit of positivity. But when I talked to fans, they said they were sort of expecting defeat and a, and a draw would have done. Be honest, before the uh, the team was announced, before a ball was kicked, mm-hmm. did you think City might pull it off this season or, or were you anxious as well? I, I was quietly confident. 
And I'll tell you why, because I think Pep Guardiola is just one of those managers that that's he, he's, he's just head and shoulders above the others for me. And I didn't think, he does not want, just like we're aware of how he, he dominates the, the rivalry between him and Mourinho, he's well aware of the rivalry between him and Klopp. And he doesn't want there to be a rivalry where it just becomes a foregone, well, Klopp has beaten Pep Guardiola X amount of times and, and Pep's only won two out of 12. You know, he doesn't want that. Um, so I, I knew he'd be looking to address that. Uh, in some way, and I didn't think I didn't think he'd do what he did. Uh, but in saying that, um, it you know it's down that, and at the same time, it's it, us winning league is not about us winning at Liverpool. It's, it's probably more about can Liverpool beat all those other teams, um, and that's not just assuming that we're going to go and beat everybody, but um, that's going to be their challenge. Uh, there's, there's a lot of questions I could ask you about what you just said, then, which is sort of playing the way he did and not expecting it, perhaps. Yeah. Um, was it more important for, for both teams not to lose that game uh, than be bothered about winning it? I mean, that sounds like a negative question. But but I must admit, I before I, I went into the game, mm. I saw Terry McDermott speaking, the former Liverpool player, on yes. stage close to Anfield, being interviewed. And he said himself, this is a game we, meaning Liverpool, yes. can't afford to lose. And I, I know it's only three points, and you, you just said yes. that again in your answer. It's not yeah. do or die or anything. Yeah. But psychologically, the losers, if there had been a loser in that game, yes. might have had a big disadvantage going forward. So is it both? was it important neither of them lost from each team's perspective? I believe so, and I think we saw that in the tactics that both teams played. Now, in hindsight, we can see that. But before, you know, ball was kicked, um, it, we thought it was going to be a thriller, but we can see the mindset of, of both managers there's a huge respect for the other and both were thinking you know it certainly from City's point it was you know what uh, we don't have to win this game it's just important we don't lose it uh, we're going to play our normal game if we get chances yes we're looking to take them and uh, and if we get ahead then we, we're going to take the win um, Liverpool on the other hand was there at home they want to win the game they want to push but they I think with that um, that adjustment of playing Gomez right back was a more defensive and we saw that because Gomez Alexander Arnold is is going forward he's he's so brilliant he rips in really good crosses so he's really a, a huge strength to Liverpool going forward and and Klopp has thought well when he's bombing forward then if Sonny had started or any one of City's front players he probably thought well City would be able to actually uh, catch us on a break so we don't want Alexander Arnold. So it's. I thought it was a weak move in terms of the the tactical move, but um, from Klopp's point, from of, Klopp's view. point of view, but it showed that he he was also respectful in thinking. Oh right, we don't want to get caught. We don't want to get caught on the counter against City with with Sane, with someone like Sane or Sterling's pace. Um, but when I look at when I look at City side of it now, and you know, I um, we had Moraes playing, and we also had Bernardo Silva, two quality players, and no Sane. So was no that Sane. Pep being cautious? That was Pep being cautious, and I think trying to dominate and control the game, and and that way you don't allow the 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 Anfield crowd to to play a huge part because they can play a huge part, just like when we get our momentum and our fans get behind us. You know, it's, it's 
it's a tsunami coming and teams can't, they can't do nothing about it. It's, the ball just gets sucked in the goal. It's such great football. So, um, you know, playing those two, I think was, which, which was brilliant from Pep's point of view, but it took away also that edge of that, that us being dynamic with pace, i.e. Sterling and Sane. Um, Bernardo Silva's quality doesn't, I wouldn't, well, he's not as quick as Sane and Sterling, but we know that he played a role where he just continuously, he can hold the ball well, doesn't give it away. He, well, he, he's like Silva. He, well, he is Silva. <laughs> so, and, he's, and the same with Moraes. Moraes, yes, is quick, but doesn't hit you with that, like, he's frighteningly quick. So, quality on your ball, and he'll keep the ball. Uh, and I think that showed you the tactics behind Pep's thinking that their quality, if we, we catch him on the break, we still got the pace if we need it, but we're also going to keep the ball uh, and sort of control the crowd uh, involvement in the game. I can't deny that I was a little bit anxious. We didn't know who was going to play at left-back before this game, yes. but I was a little bit anxious at the prospect of Benjamin Mendy playing at left-back, not because I don't rate him, yeah. but because all we've seen from him, or appear to have seen from him so far, is him bombing forward, bit Alexander-Arnold-ish, yes. you know, and being that threat. And I was concerned in my own mind so I'm just being honest yes, yes. that if he bombed forward like that Salah being on that side yeah. could pose a great threat and we'd seen Laporte play at left back at Hoffenheim in the midweek before yeah. and although Laporte is it, and he was magnificent by the way at yes. Anfield I thought he was he was man of the match but at left back I'm not convinced so I was worried about that being exposed what we saw or what I felt I saw but you yeah. tell me was Mendy playing a lot more disciplined and showing a different side of his game and you could actually throw that over to Kyle Walker as well because although he did go forward a couple of times yeah. he was far more disciplined as well or am I imagining that? No that's exactly what's the plan and and because we'd normally listen if if Pep had taken the reins off of them you would have seen Walker you'd have seen Benjamin Mendy up and down that left and right right side whipping balls in in the final third but that was that was you know specific instructions uh, if you're going, it's like we know you're 100% going. Because I can't recall too many times when I saw Benjamin Mendy in the final third whipping balls. It may have been once. He was keeping possession. Keeping possession. And so that way Liverpool couldn't counter because uh, that's what normally happens. We go, we we attack with six, seven players and they catch us on the break. And, and so therefore, this is the, the knowledge and the... the, the, the the wisdom behind Pep and saying, well, you're not going to catch us that way. And so his tactics were spot on to say, we're going to come in this game. We're going to go away with a draw or win. Uh, and in fact, we may catch you as opposed to you catching us on the break. I've seen a, a, a little strap line now that's popped up, pragmatic Pep. Because we've always, or certainly I have, have always questioned whether this brilliant philosophy that he has, that I'm a huge fan of, I mean, this is just dream football for me, yes. does have a little flaw in that occasionally he's not as pragmatic as he could be. But he proved me wrong at Anfield. If that was how he set up and if that's the way he wanted his team to play, that was pragmatism at its best, wasn't it? At his best. And and see, the only, see, Klopp is probably the only brave manager that has the quality of players to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with City. And so, therefore, this is what's made um, Guardiola say, OK, because um, we've heard him, you know, we've seen the documentary and we've heard him speak about, he was concerned about those players, about the Liverpool front three, you know, days before the game. I'm concerned about the front three. 
Um, and so it, it's proven that he's made the right decision because Liverpool, um, it, it was like a boxer keeping the, the opponent at arm's length. It's like he's swinging, but he just can't reach him. Uh, and, and meanwhile, you're just getting your jabs in and getting your points in. And, um, and Liverpool were, were ineffective. I mean, I, I don't recall not, you know, seeing Salah so quiet, Firmino so quiet, um, Abani so quiet. Um, and so, so brilliant tactical, um, work by Pep Guardiola. Got to come to the penalty. How many penalties yeah. did you take in your career, Sean? That's a question for the City fans. How many penalties I took for City would be a good question. <laughs> but so, come on, don't, don't let's not throw it out. I want to know how many. You know, well, I actually, I, t- I would, I come to the club very early, and it was about, I think it was my third game, third or fourth game, got a penalty. And as you do, you want to get on the score. I want to get on the score sheet. I haven't just come to the club, grabbed the ball confidently. I went, yep, going to keep us right bottom corner. Keep us, keep us saved it. Oh boy, you want to? Oh, the hole was seemed really huge, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and that was the only one I had taken. Funny enough, the only other penalty I would have taken would have been uh, at Wembley. I was the fifth penalty taker. So Nicky Weaver thought, no, we're not getting we're not getting that far. So, um, but yeah, getting back to Mara. What about elsewhere? Before you on to Mara's, elsewhere in your career, did you take penalties there? Yeah, but I I was one of those that uh, I think was probably like. A, well, at Bristol City, I was never the main penalty taker, but I think I had taken probably two um, and I scored those. So if a penalty was there and your main penalty taker and perhaps the second wasn't there, then I was like, okay, I'll take it. I, I was brave enough to say, yeah, because that's something that as fans, you see, there's a bravery that comes when it comes around to taking penalties. I'm not talking about in normal 90 minutes, certainly when it comes to cup games, there's a bravery. And you want to see players start finding water bottles and tying the laces <laughs> well, and fix the, the, the this leads me to a question right <laughs> we, we will come to Maraz in a yeah. second specifically but you know my my wife and my son who, who watch all the games always say to me I'm not talking about Maraz yeah. now I'm talking about other players in general yeah right? in general why do strike? I mean, Gabriel Jesus obviously wanted to take that penalty, yes. but generally, why why doesn't a striker automatically become the de facto penalty taker? What you, you know, you as a yeah. player when you were a striker, yes. would have would have been desperate to have a shot from eighteen yards out with just the goalkeeper to beat. Yes. Yet when the ball's stationary on the penalty, and I'm not don't mean necessarily no, just no, you, no, but when but it's stationary on the penalty spot, yeah. why is it so so much harder? Why is there a at sometimes a reluctance from some strikers, yeah. let's broaden it out, yeah. to take a penalty. I think it's just confidence within themselves. But they have the confidence in the in the immediate moment to take it. Yeah, and that's a, that's a different... See, that's a different scenario. It's like, I had a real knack of just knowing where the ball's going to be, where it's going to fall, de- de- depending on how the game is developing. And what I mean is, even from a scramble, if a ball's scrambling and ricocheting in the box, I just knew that ball was going to hit him, hit him, and it's going to fall over here, and then it's going to hit me in the knee and go in. I, I, I just had a knack for that. And um, But when it comes to to a penalty, it's it's confidence, it's technique. I think some of the current penalty takers we see today, I think they're brilliant because what they do is they've now opened up another element in terms of going down the middle. Because um, in our team... The, the, the game has t- changed as in players have been more educated as well because before it used to be you go right or left. That's where you go. Um, 
and even when you 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 just slammed it hard, you know, um, you typically just went, uh, I hope it's going in. But players now are specifically going, well, keeper, you dive right or left, and I'm going, I'm going up the middle. So now keepers are thinking, I may pause because he did go down the middle, and that little pause is all they need now to punch that ball into the bottom left or bottom right. Um, so penalty takers, you know, if I'm if I'm a current player and I'm on penalties, I'm practicing all three penalties. I think because the game is evolved now, where we're seeing this and. I think if you're a penalty taker and you have a favorite corner, everybody will know. Everybody knows. I mean, you see it on, on that, you know, they show it on the screen. He's had five penalties go to the keeper's left and one to the keeper. So you know which way is his favorite. The goalkeeper will know because they would have done a little bit of uh, studying and we, we play Southampton. The goalkeeper would have said, right, who took penalties? They look at the two, three penalty takers and they'll just know. He goes to his right, he goes to his left, he goes down the middle. And so they studied this stuff. Um, so you have to. I, I believe your current player today and you take penalties, I think you have to almost essentially master all, as in take penalties to your right, to your left, and go in the middle. So back to this penalty at Anfield, mm-hmm. um, we saw that Gabriel Jesus picked the ball up yes. and then Mares took it off him. After the game, Mares in the, in the press conference or in the mix zone when he talked to the press, insisted that he'd made that decision, yeah. whereas Pep in his press conference said... He told Mares that he was the penalty taker. So they're both trying to take blame for it, which is very laudable, yeah. but uh, neither of them really made it clear whose decision that was. Knowing that David Silver had took one and missed, yeah. knowing that um, obviously Mares had missed five from, from his time at time. Leicester, yeah. um, and knowing that Gabriel Jesus, I think, had missed two out of his last three, yeah. and that Aguero wasn't on. Oh. So, you know... What just just tell me what you what you made of the whole circumstance of that? Well, penalty. I, I I almost think all the answers are right, as in all the above is right. I.e., the manager. Sometimes I my my feeling, my personal gut feeling is, if a player wants it, he's brave enough to step up and take it. Now that, that sometimes you can get a player that can do that, and then they just go absolutely sky it. which he did. <laughs> yeah, which he did. So that happens. But you also uh, have have the players like um, who have taken who want to redeem themselves. Say Jesus, it's like I've already missed one. I've scored. I've scored two, etc. Whatever it may be, I I want to get myself uh, get going goals because he's not. He, he wants to be scoring five and six goals like everyone else that's leading the goal scoring. So he's he's thinking about that. Um, so at the same time, I guess he's been the second penalty taker after. Um, Sergio so he's probably he looked to the, I saw him look to the bench and and it seemed as though the order said leave him with it because he did look to the bench and say like I normally am the penalty taker with with a body language of like should it be me and it seemed like he, he accepted the response that came back as in leave it with Mares and I and, and again if a, if a player's confident uh, I feel that, you know, eight times out of ten, that player would normally stick it away because they're the ones saying, oh, I want it, and they're confident enough. Sometimes it goes wrong, and with Maurice, it, it went wrong. So you just have to be philosophical in that situation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, because, see, the, the the manager's probably also thinking, Jesus has missed one or two. So, at Maurice, he may he may or may not even know his history of penalties or, or have remembered his, his history of penalties at at Leicester. So he'll be thinking, it'd be great to get him off the mark. One of my signings, we've played some good money for him. 
um, be good that he can score this girl and end this run. So all those quick thoughts would have probably went through Guardiola's mind. Football's a great game, isn't oh, it? You yes. can never predict what's going to happen. <laughs> right, what I can predict is going to happen is we're going to talk to Paul Simpson and later on Paul Walsh, two former City players, and we'll keep this debate going. So next up, it's Paul Simpson. Excess Manchester. This is the Manchester Football Social, Forever Blue, with Ian Cheeseman. Indeed, thanks very much for your company tonight. Uh, don't forget there is a podcast version of this goes live soon after the programme finishes. So if you know City fans who aren't able to listen on 106.1 FM in the Greater Manchester area, then you can tip them off that they can listen to the podcast version. They will hear the dulcet tones of the legend that is Sean Galter, who is next to me. And now they're going to hear the voice of Paul Simpson as well, um, former England uh, coach um, and, well, a real ex expert city former player I'm trying to find a word to describe him uh, Simo good <laughs> evening good evening I'm a bit disappointed hey, Simo. coach I'm still an England coach at the moment unless you know something I don't <laughs> no 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 sorry about that right okay well as a current England coach thank you we, we, me and Sean have just been talking about penalties um, in the last okay. few moments because obviously Mares with a penalty miss at Anfield um, yeah. you, you've taken England into a tournament. You've you've been a coach at other places as well. Do you do you train um, people specifically to take penalties? Sean said he's practiced left, right, and down the middle. And, and is it about mentality and how, and how do you analyse who who takes a penalty when? Well, yeah, it is about mentality. That that's. I mean, it, it's obviously there's a technique as well, you know. But but we're talking about an unopposed technique um, from 12 yards out, strike a ball, you know, pick a spot, strike the ball, do what you need to do. I don't think you can actually practice the pressure of a penalty. That's the difficulty. So what we did in the World Cup, um, we, we did all of our preparation before the uh, before we went to out to South Korea. So we did it over here because we knew that the South Koreans would be watching our sessions. So we did a lot of work in England and also when we were on a, a pre-camp in Japan. Then when it came to the actual tournament, um, to the knockout stages, we just talked to them about having a having a plan. So we couldn't actually replicate what we were going to feel, but we just said, have a plan, have a routine, and stick with it. And that's exactly the same as what the seniors did this year, and, and thankfully we, we managed to get that uh, penalty shootout monkey off our back by winning the game in, in the World Cup. Um, but it's about just just having a plan and sticking to it. And, you know, what we try to do, there's, there's normally players who love taking penalties and step forward and take them. There's some who would take them if they had to. And there is actually some players who just say, I don't want anything to do with penalties, leave me out of it. <laughs> but we knew that we had to have 11 players on the field who were all prepared to take a penalty because it can go, it can go down to the 11th man. And uh, it's a difficult one. And I feel, I feel a bit for Maris. I mean, the, the scary thing is, is it five out of his last eight he's missed? And you wonder why... Yeah. You know, why, why he was still taking it. I mean, he's a, he's a hugely talented player, isn't he? And he struck the ball so well. But unfortunately, if you strike it that high, it's a, it's a poor penalty, isn't it? Yeah. A, a question here, Paul. Um, yeah. When you, when you were going through the penalties and all that, would you have, obviously, going into the penalties, you know, would you have researched the penalty takers? Yeah. Well, it, we, did, we did research on them to find out who takes them at the clubs. 
we did a penalty, a different scenarios of penalty shootouts. Um, so that all, all of the players, before we got to the knockout stage, had taken something like, I think it was about 35 or 40 penalties in a training situation. So we had a little table of success rate. Um, and, and when we went into the game, in the change room before the game, we had a list of the penalty takers in order. So if it was, you know, the 1 to 11, we had them in order. And then if there was lads who were on the bench who came on and they were a good penalty taker, then they would slot into the order as and as and when they, uh, that we felt they fitted with the staff that we had leading into it. Okay. No, actually, what I was asking is, would you have researched your penalty takers of the opposition, even though... Oh, sorry. Yeah, That's sorry. a great answer, though, Paul, and it was yeah. well worth hearing that. Yeah. No, sorry. Um, yeah, we, we did research that as well. Um, and to be honest with you, it, it worked for us in the World Cup final because our goalkeeper coach, along with the goalkeepers, had sat down and looked at all of the penalties that the Venezuelan guy had taken leading up to uh, leading up to all of his international penalties, that is, where we had the footage. So we had about, I think we had about seven or eight games from Venezuela. Um, so he'd studied the penalties. And um, the, Freddie Woodman knew that he was either going to go to, I think it was Freddie's right, or he went straight down the middle. And Freddie died, and Lad actually went straight down the middle, and Freddie saved it with his foot. So that research actually helped, and um, and and you know it came to fruition for us. So there is a hell of a lot of uh, analysis goes into penalty takers. Yeah, good stuff there. So now with that with that being said, your research and figuring out that that helped to save penalties and win the World Cup. And earlier you said, well, you know, you say to lads, have a plan. You know, well, stick uh, decide which side you're going to go and stick with it. So yeah. if that being the case. If someone was researching that, they'll say, well, you tend to go to whichever side. Yeah. So what would you advise now? Well, the difficulty that you have is that as a goal, for a goalkeeper is if the penalty is struck and anything sort of middle, middle height of the goals towards the crossbar... Uh, yeah. I know it's it's like it's like teaching your guys to suck eggs here, but the success rate of a penalty from the middle of the goal to the to the crossbar is something like eighty five percent. It's an incredibly high percentage of success. So we were saying to the players, we, we were saying to the players, that's what you've got to be aiming for. So pick a spot, and I think you know, Sean, don't you? If you put if you put prof- professional footballers into a situation where you say, right, you're 12 yards away, I want you to put the ball in that spot. 90, 95% of the time, maybe even more, they'd be able to do it, wouldn't they? Yes. You know, there'd be the yeah. odd ones who, who didn't have the technique, but let's be fair, if you're playing at the top level, you should be able to do that. So you should be able to put it, whether it's to the, the left side, the right side, you should be able to put it within that, that little area of the goal. And um, that's what we said to the players, work on your technique, so practice your technique. But the biggest part of it was being prepared for penalties, so the preparation was more about the mental side, that, that you know, this is what my technique is, this is what I'm going to do, and you just hope it's effective. Sean's admitted uh, during the last uh, half an hour uh, that his record at City was one penalty taken, one penalty saved. So he, right. he's oh, the wrong man. Save, to... by the way. <laughs> <laughs> What's your record, Paul? <laughs> Top corner. <laughs> What's your well, penalty record? 
at City, to be honest with you, I didn't actually take penalties in games, except in the youth team. I, I, I never missed in the youth team. But in the first team, the only times I took a penalty was against Barcelona in a pre-season friendly shootout, and I missed, but we won. And in the final, we beat we beat Barcelona on pens, and then we played Huelva in the final, and I missed in the shootout then. And then I also missed at home in... I think it was something like the full Members' Cup shootout, and I think it was Leeds. Um, I remember missing a penalty in that. But then through my career, I took lots of penalties. Um, Generally, I was successful. I remember missing two for Oxford, both against West Ham, and that was one of them where Ludic McCloskill psyched me out because he was massive in the goals, and I missed one against him in the league. Then the next penalty I had was against him in the Cup, and I changed my mind at the last minute and hit the post. So that was a lesson to me, to stick with my plan and, and, and not change my mind. Now, here's a controversial question, which, you you know, you as a left footer um, mm-hmm. might, might have an opinion on. But um, a couple of fans said to me that left-footed penalty takers don't have as good a record as right-footed. And I'm guessing oh, wow. that's because most goalkeepers are predominantly right-handed, even though in theory they can go either way equally and should be able to do that. Yeah. But that their preferred extended immediate dive is to the right rather than the left and a right-footed player puts his side foot penalty to the goalkeeper's left which is his weaker side and his better penalty to the right where the goalkeeper's stronger so therefore a left-footed penalty taker takes the side foot to the goalkeeper's stronger side and hooks it to the weaker side is there any truth in this Left-footed penalty takers wow. as good theory. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's a fantastic theory if you've just been able to really post you. Know? I honestly, I haven't got a clue. I really don't know. I mean, you've got to say that there's there's probably more right-footed takers than left-footed because you know in the game there generally is more right-footed players. So I would think that there's there's not as many taking it with the left. So there's you know there's a, there's a chance that, they, that, that, that it's going to be highlighted as missing them. But I haven't I wouldn't have the, a clue about that as to whether or not that that's true or not. I mean I used to I used to take it left-footed and generally open my foot side foot it to the goalkeeper's right hand side. Um, but it would you could get more power on it if you whipped it to the goalkeeper's left hand side. But you've then also got quite a big margin of error if you're going to be whipping it and your, your technique's not quite right or you try to overdo it a little bit and you've got a chance of going past the goalkeeper, you know, past the post. So Which proves my, proves my point, really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah, you're right. I, well I you may be the only left foot I've needed to miss because I have a whole different theory on that. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I, 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 I wish I could... I wish I could back your theory up with my friends. Just go take a few penalties and then just come back and say, yeah, I've scored them all. <laughs> what did you think of uh, of City generally and their approach? Were you surprised, Paul, that, that City played the way that they did Anfield? I mean, obviously it was successful. Well, I think if you uh, if you look at what they did last year, where they were, you know, they, they got undone and they did make a couple of, on a couple of occasions against Liverpool. I think you know, he's obviously uh, he, he's obviously so knowledgeable and experienced that he's decided to have a, a little bit of an approach to it. But um, it, a point away at Liverpool still puts him in a great position, and I think. You know, it's a really strange feeling at the moment you know, as, a, as a, a, a follower of Man City is that everybody sort of looks and thinks, oh, it's a little bit of a slow start. We've not done what we, what we did last year, but 
I, I read a stat today. Somebody's done some sort of analysis on City, and they're one point better off than they were at this point last season. Yeah, you're and right. Twenty percent more chances in games than they did at this point last season. And you know, this is this is without who one of the probably the best players in the side at the moment in Kevin De Bruyne. He's missing, but I just think they look a lot more solid defensively, don't they? Is it, I think. Um, I think I'm, I'm, you may be correct if I'm wrong here, but Laporte seems to have settled in well and Mendy coming back fit seems to have added a new dimension to the team. And I just think they look a lot more solid defensively. So it's a de- different type of football, but still being very effective if you're one point better off after what was a tremendous start last season. I can't talk to you, Paul, without asking you about City's young players coming through because obviously no. you have a, a very strong eye on that. And the, there are a few knocking around now, aren't there? They are. There's some really talented boys. Um, you know, obviously everybody looks at Phil Foden as being uh, as being the real bright hope, and um, he, he's got some ability. I'm really interested to see how he gets on with the uh, with the 21s on this international camp. It'll be a great experience for him to be part of that, and hopefully he'll get some uh, some match minutes um, in, in one of at least one of the two games. What they have, they've got. I mean, the academy system that they've got there is a, it's a, the, the, the facility there is to die for. It's an absolutely fantastic facility. They're getting they're getting a really good football and a, a normal education out of it, which is really important for young players as well. So they've got everything there to succeed. The challenge for them is finding the pathway through and finding a pathway through to first team football. And you're seeing a lot of them are having to go out on loan. But if they go out on loan and get the experience and then go back in and they're able to be able to adapt to them at that level, then it, it can only be good for not only for Man City but also for the England development teams. Jaden Sancho now in the England full England squad, you oh. you'll have seen him come through as well. I mean, I really yeah. rated him highly. Is he the one that got away for City then? Um, well, I think in all fairness, I think City did everything that they could to keep hold of him. Um, I think what we're finding with a lot of our English players now, they don't see the pathway through to first-team football, so they're going abroad. You know, we've got we've got one of our players in the under-20 squad who's over at um, Sampdoria, one at Juventus. We've got a player at Hoffenheim on loan. Um, so they're spread all over Europe. Now, if they're getting seen football opportunities, that, that's good. But I can understand the disappointment for City that Jaden got away. But then on the other hand, I'm sure Watford were disappointed when he got away from them and he, and he signed for Manchester City. So True. I think it's just the nature of the game, isn't it? That if players can't see a pathway through, then they're going to take the next, the, the next opportunity. And if it means going and playing in the Bundesliga or going and playing in, in Serie whatever it might be, Cheers, Paul. Thanks very much for your time tonight. Really appreciate it. Insightful as ever, particularly on penalties. Cheers, Paul. Cheers. That's Paul Simpson, uh, who, of course, is still an England coach. Um, I had a momentary lapse there, Paul. Uh, Paul, Sean, see? see, (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) Mine's not here today. I I wanted to mention to him, if he had come come into the studio, I would have done a guard of honour. (laughs) <laughs> with yourself yeah, absolutely. because that's a World Cup winner there yeah. and I, I don't think we sort of re- recognise that so to hear him and, and share some of his views and knowledge is, is brilliant absolutely absolutely yeah. applause applause to Paul yeah. Simpson <laughs> right let, we're going to talk to another Paul in a minute Paul Walsh right after this Excess Manchester this is the Manchester Football Social Forever Blue with Ian Cheeseman 
You call it Forever Blue, but it's in Cheeseman tonight with Sean Galter, the legend that is, and we're going to be speaking to another great City striker of the past, Paul Walsh now, who uh, joins us, and obviously a player who uh, donned the shirt of City and Liverpool, so you'll have watched that game with great interest, Paul, will you, at the weekend? Uh, well, I was just saying, I was, I, was, um, I was there, yeah, but I left with 20 minutes to go, actually, it was the, it was the most disappointing game I've seen from City and Liverpool in a while, um, and I thought, I'd get on my way, I was driving from Liverpool down to Southampton, and then I missed the penalty, so I've heard both sides of the stories, but actually haven't seen it. You haven't, you must be the only person who's not seen it, Paul. Yeah, I am. I am the only person who hasn't seen it. So I'll have to be um, educated by you guys to tell me what you think. <laughs> you didn't miss anything. No, no, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I've, I've got my blue half mates telling me it was definitely definitely a penalty and my red half going, oh, I don't think so. So uh, pick the bones out of that one. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the bit of the game you saw then. I mean, you said it was a disappointing game. If we're, Me and Sean obviously are going to look at it from a City perspective and we're used to watching City attack, attack, attack and play this beautiful football that, that we were just so blessed to watch. But they didn't do that. Pep took a different approach. And, and although it wasn't a great game for the neutral and, and obviously your perspective at the moment is that it's not a great game, from a City fan's perspective, it actually was great to see them being a bit more pragmatic. It, 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 can you see the plus point in that? I know what you're saying. Um, I, I was trying to work out, you know, because that hasn't been the case in previous encounters. So, you know, it's the one game I really look forward to where the gloves come off and they slug it out. It's end to end. And I ain't being funny. At Manchester City or Liverpool, you get very few games like that. So I was really looking forward to it. But at the same time, I, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, they haven't got a great record against Liverpool recently. I know they won last season at, uh, at the Etihad. But, you know, Liverpool, you could even argue then, had the slightly upper hand and then got a player sent off. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of, 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 of concern um, and, and psychology, I think, that Liverpool have over City in this, in this fixture a little bit. So maybe Pep had to just, um, at this stage of the season as well, all being on similar points, um, you know, not wanting to lose any ground. So it was a little bit of a, a jousting, sparring encounter um, with, with neither side really prepared to throw the kitchen sink at it. And for me, that's what made it slightly disappointing because I was really looking forward to it. But I understand what you're saying. For, for City, an away point at Anfield um, with results that have gone from in recent seasons, that, 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 was a, that was a good result. Well, we are where we are. City have gone into this international break top, but as you said, three teams actually level on points, so there's only goal difference separating them. How do you see, obviously Hazard's getting a lot of publicity at the moment, uh, De Bruyne will be back soon. How do you see this title race unfolding? I know it's still relatively early, but what, what's your instinct say, Paul? case of whether we thought Liverpool could really give them a run for their money this season um, and I, I genuinely believe they can. Um, at the moment the, 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 probably the most disappointing part of Liverpool's team, which is to sound crazy is their front three have been a little bit you know, they're not quite hitting the highs um, Salah's been a bit wasteful he was a, bit, a little bit wasteful last season but how can you criticise someone being wasteful when they score 34 goals? It's crazy so, but he, he is he gets a lot of chances and he doesn't always make the most of them, so people are starting to whinge about him already, which I find unbelievable, but that is that is that's how the scrutiny of football is these days. Um, you know, and um, you know, so City are always the team to beat, um, but Liverpool are, 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 you know, are much closer to them now, but you know, unless Salah sort of does, does start kicking on, um, you know, it, 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 it 
unfairly coming for a little bit of criticism, but um, you know, De Bruyne coming back for City, you'd like to think he'll add a new di- another dimension to what they've already got, which is that someone who can pick out an extraordinary pass. That you know, if you're a, if you're a front player, you know, you, you know, you know, you can make a run, and there's an almost an impossible angle, but he will find you, um, and, and that's what great is great about playing in a team with him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I still I still think City are the team to beat. Um, Chelsea are surprised a few at the minute, um, and Hazard is playing very well. You know, but listen, this is a slog this season, a Premier League campaign, and we're you know we're not you know we, we're even a quarter away into it, just about, aren't we? Yes, early days, early days. Uh, question there. Um, with Klopp going with Gomez at right back, it, it surprised me. I was thinking Alexander Arnold is such a quality player going forward and is almost seen as an offensive player, you know, as a, as a weapon for Liverpool. Yeah. Do you think he, he played Gomez out of respect uh, uh, for City in terms of perhaps City countering uh, Liverpool? Why do you think he went with that move? Yeah. I think you're right, mate. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened because he, you know, he went a little bit. I mean, Gomez at right back isn't as, isn't as good as um, Trent Alexander, so um, you know, and, and maybe that was a, a little sign of the caution from both managers. Um, you know, uh, Trent Alexander gets, you know, they didn't get down the outside, they didn't rain crosses into the box. Um, it, it went down the sides and then it came back out. It went in the middle. It got probed in. It came back out. It went wide again. There was too much of that from both teams. Um, and and that's what made it for me a little bit disappointing. But yeah, I think there was little signs, like you're saying, of that little bit of respect on both sides um, that, that just threw that little bit of caution into the game. Um, because, like I said, no one really wanted to give give anything away at, at this stage. One of the things I loved about you, Paul, when you were a player, particularly for City, but also at Liverpool and elsewhere, was the movement that you had off the ball. And I'm just curious for your thoughts on. We know that um, Sergio Aguero has got a, you know an, an undeniable record of goal scoring, but just about a little bit of analysis on his movement, as compared perhaps to Gabriel Jesus, who's the youngster who still really to convince a lot of City fans that he is the real deal. Yeah. Do, do, do you know what? I, you, there's so many people saying that to me lately, and I don't know whether. I mean, because I haven't seen every game, I don't know whether there's been a little bit of a dip in his attitude or something, but I really like him. You know, and last season I thought, Do you know what, he's going to give um, going to give uh, Aguero a real run for his money, you know, playing like this. And Aguero had the ump, he weren't getting, he was getting brought off or he weren't starting and Aguero wasn't happy. And I tell you, you talk about movement. I went and watched them at Bournemouth last season and there was a goal where David Silva came from an inside right position, stepped in side and Jesus' run was absolutely incredible he dipped off the, the, the blindside shoulder of the defender and then just at the perfect time came on the inside of him as Silva slipped the ball uh, up, up, up the side and then he scuffed it into the ground into the far corner it was an absolutely brilliant goal with a great bit of movement and I thought this kid's a cute mover and um, you know, and you can afford to be subtle in your movement when you've got great players around you because great players are looking for subtle movement not the blind obvious that a defender can see so you know that that's why it's quite, and I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jesus fan whether or not his attitude isn't quite at it at the moment that might be that might be something to look at but generally if he's on, on, on his game I think he's as good as anybody Fantastic well Paul I really appreciate you joining us tonight um, uh, thanks very much for your analysis yeah. and no, thanks guys pleasure we'll talk again soon cheers Paul cheers guys cheers Alex
Bye-bye. That's, uh, that's Paul Walsh with some great insight there into striker movement as well. And obviously, yeah. you, I'm sure you look at that, Sean, don't you? Yeah, Jesus reminds me of um, Chicharito. He was so quick. And, and he, those sort of players are very difficult to mark because you look over your left shoulder and he's on your right. And you look over your right, he's on your left. He's, he, it's like these, you know, like a fly. They're just so quick and nimble. And, and this is why these sort of players could always score goals. You know, Jesus will always score goals. Now, personally, I think his, his general hold-up isn't as good as Aguero's. And that is, is part of what, what we're seeing a little bit with Jesus. Um, yes, he hasn't scored a couple games, but he will score goals because he's one of those players that will just, he'll be where the ball is going to end up. And you see the type of goals he gets. He's, he's running near post. Someone's looking over the, the wrong shoulder. And all of a sudden, it's him just flicking it into the goal. Uh, he's not going to score you those goals where he's outside the box. Uh, and he's going to drop the shoulder on two, three players. He may score you one goal like that a season. But he's a box player. Um, mm -hmm. And very mobile and agile. So um, he, he will score goals. He's just having, right now, he's just on that period where he's, he just needs a goal. And then, and then that run and form will just come. What are you going to do now during the international break? Well, I'm going to um, watch some more footy. <laughs> <laughs> Next Friday, actually, week on Friday, Sean and I are together at the, the Premier Suite in Audenshaw, along with Peter Reid and Peter Barnes. I think it's pretty much sold out. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yes. And uh, I'm gonna, I might throw to the audience your que your, a question to you about penalties, because I thought it was really interesting to listen to. So I will see you. From the expert penalty taker, Sean Gooder. Yeah, absolutely. Which, <laughs> which, which maybe we can test the audience that night. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. Uh, don't forget there is a podcast version which is available. So spread the word to all City fans who perhaps are outside of the Greater Manchester area. Can't listen on 106.1 FM. A little later on, I'll tweet it and put it out on Facebook and everything. And Excess Manchester, if you follow them as well, at Excess Manchester, uh, they'll do the same. I'm back tomorrow night with uh, Joe... Uh, is it Steve tomorrow, Joe? Is Steve tomorrow? Always fun to listen to Steve. Uh, that's the Wednesday the Wednesday Club tomorrow night at six. Excess Manchester. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.